Welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast, the podcast that's all about cops. I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. You have tuned in, undoubtedly, to the most informational law enforcement podcast out there today because we'll talk to real cops, some active, some retired, and we'll get the inside story on law enforcement. Here we are again. I'm so excited about today's Boys in Blue podcast. And I am your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. Once again, I'm seated here behind this stainless steel titanium microphone inside the Boys in Blue podcast studio here in Mesa, Arizona. And I've been trying to get our guest on for I don't know how long. We've had some technical difficulties and then we had riots in his city and then we had coronavirus and we've dealt with all that and so here we are today and i want to welcome a very special guest he's just went the extra mile to accommodate us on the boys in blue podcast scottsdale arizona police officer keegan de chote now keegan we want to welcome you to the boys in blue podcast Thank you for having me. Did I say your name correctly? Deshote. You, abso- you absolutely did. You know, I've been practicing. Not an easy one. <laughs> nothing like it's spelled. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I came in contact with you because a good friend of mine, Ben, uh, who's the PIO with Scottsdale, suggested, I asked him if he knew anybody in the unit you're in. And he suggested you, and so I'm so uh, pleased to have you on the podcast. Now, on the Boys in Blue podcast, this is another first for us. We've had motorcycle policemen, SWAT team sergeants. We've had sheriffs. We've had canine. We've had undercover narcs and all the stuff. But I have never, until this very day, I'm so pleased to have a mounted unit officer so you are with the mounted horse patrol with scottsdale pd now so that is so fascinating to me and i can tell you all about that but first i want to hear a little bit about your background keegan are you from arizona here where are you from exactly no i was actually born and raised in hawaii hawaii now how long did you live there actually only lived there until I was about 10 and um, not like I had any say in the matter, but the family wanted to relocate for better career opportunities and growth. So the family decided to pick up their things and leave Hawaii and come to Arizona. Okay. Okay. Well, it's been my experience that the friends of mine that uh, say, wow, Hawaii surfs up, let's go. <laughs> and they live there about th- about three years, and they get I don't know what they call it island fever or something. The island gets smaller uh-huh. every day, and they, <laughs> they end up coming back. Yeah. So you ended up in Scottsdale. Uh, was it Scottsdale, Arizona, that your family moved to? I think originally it was Cave Creek. We kind of just bounced around for a little bit, uh-huh. uh, but we en- eventually settled in Scottsdale and in Chandler. Okay. Okay. So you're very familiar with the area now. So now how oh, yeah. long, how long have you been with Scottsdale PD? Scottsdale PD started in 2015. 
Okay, so you've been there five years now. So um, yeah. now I know you have prior law enforcement experience, but tell me about you ended up up at uh, Northern Arizona University, referred to as NAU, and that's in Flagstaff, Arizona. Is that the way that worked? That's right. Okay, what were you studying there? So when I first started, uh, it was just criminal justice. And I've always had a, an eye for law enforcement because my family has a military background. Uh, my dad, my eldest brother and sister were both served their time in the Army. Um, so kind of my family has a paramilitary structure to it. And uh-huh. it's always been a, an interest for me. I see. So let me ask you about the actual law enforcement part of it. Was there someone that influenced you a lot or how did you get drawn to law enforcement itself? So uh, my other brother, who did not serve in the military, he was actually with Phoenix for quite some time. And he was a Phoenix police officer. And just through the connections that he made with his friends, I went on ride-alongs with them. And as the days went on, I just became more fascinated with it. And it was just always something that I knew I wanted to do. Okay. So now you decide, did you take any tests at all at that time for a police officer? Were you old enough even? Nope, wasn't even old enough. Uh, you know, it's funny. My mom still has a picture of me with a little cop card on my shoulder, and I'm just like looking to the side of it. I couldn't have been more than ten years old at the time, and she just knew that it was ingrained in me that one day I will be doing this job. Uh, you know, and I I say this almost every podcast, but law enforcement is uh, it's almost a genetic thing. It's a calling. It's not a career. It's a calling for sure. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Now, did, so now you went up to NAU for educational reasons. Is that correct? Yes. Pursued the undergraduate in criminology and criminal justice. Okay. So tell me how uh, law enforcement involved from there. That's an interesting story. So when I actually first got to Flagstaff, you know, this was just from leaving high school. There was no transition period. It was graduate in May from high school and come August. You're starting at college. Um, as soon as I got there, I think within the first couple months, I learned that NAU had their own police department. You know, this is outside of the Flagstaff City Police or the Sheriff's Office up there. Uh, the campus itself had its own police department. So I walked over there and I wanted to see what it was all about. And me being 18, 19 years old at the time, uh, too young to actually become an officer, they had student positions. And so I Signed up for a student position. I got an interview the next couple weeks, and then I was hired on as a student worker. And at the time, they were called campus safety aides, and that's what first began. Uh, that's what kickstarted all of this. So now, what was the title called? Uh, campus safety aide, otherwise known as a CSA. And the uh, as a student worker, you're essentially eyes and ears for the police officers there. They give you BDUs, um, they give you a radio, and you mainly provided safety escorts. So if somebody didn't feel safe on campus, you would transport them from, you know, north campus to south campus. You'd be not necessarily in a marked police car, but it'd be a police car that belonged to the department. And you provide them with a safety escort. Uh, Other job duties, we made sure that all the buildings were secure. And uh, like I said, the eyes and ears, if we saw something that we thought was suspicious or of a criminal nature, 
we used our radio and we let the officers know and they would respond and investigate it. Okay, so did you eventually become a NAU officer? I did. So I, I kind of was almost like a step program for me. So I was a student worker and I uh, had a keen interest for dispatch. And uh, as a dispatcher, it was a full-time position. So it took me a little bit longer to complete school or to get my degree, but it paid for school at the same time. So I walked out of you know NAU with no debt. So I'm thankful cool. for the decisions that I made from there. Cool. Um, after I did dispatch for a few years, then I applied for the officer position and I actually became certified in 2012. Okay, okay. Now, a lot of people don't realize um, that gives you, when you work as a dispatcher, that gives you an insight that a lot of officers on the street don't have. I mean, that's valuable insight onto how things work from the from the time the phone calls come in until the officer's dispatch. That's, uh, so that was part of probably a pretty good learning experience for you. It helped you as an officer it, too, I imagine. It absolutely was. And I will have respect for dispatchers for the rest of my life because it is a different ball game when you have a headset on and you have about six to eight different monitors that you're staring at and you have to bounce back and forth and be able to handle everything and multitask like a pro and officers without ever having to do a sit along or anything inside dispatch center, they have no idea what the work goes in behind it. So I give them all the credit. Oh, I'll tell you. Well, as a sidelight, my wife was a police dispatcher with Mesa PD for over 20 years. So I'm telling you, I couldn't do, I couldn't do that job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, multi, the multitasking, you know, you got a pursuit on one channel and the family fight on the other and whatever. I mean, you got nine things going at once. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very valuable, valuable experience. <laughs> and so how long were you an actual officer at NAU? Uh, for three years, three uh, from years. 2012 to 2015 before I came down to Scottsdale. OK, so you came down to Scottsdale. Was it just kind of a lateral transfer? Or did you have to go through the whole process? How's that work? Just a lateral transfer. Uh, still did the written, still did the physical. Uh, everything was the same except not going through the academy again. Okay, so they put they you still did through the some, background check. Yeah, they put yeah, you through some kind of training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for the local, I mean, there's local policies, I'm assuming you had to pick up on as well with Mesa. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so you started out in patrol with Scottsdale. And yeah. did you work any other assignments before you went to the mounted unit? Uh, just did patrol. Um, you know, I, I joined our local FOP, became part of their executive board. I'm currently the lodge president for Scottsdale that we have right now. Um, I joined our honor guard. So I'm also part of our, our honor guard team that we have over here. Okay. My other specialty assignments, I, I haven't ventured out. I just stuck to patrol, did my time on the road. And I, with total, I, you know, I wanted to do something other than patrol with the experience of NAU and the more experience that I had at Scottsdale. So I had about five, six years on patrol and I wanted to do something different and Mountain Unit had an opening and that's what attracted me to it. Oh man. Now, how long were you in the honor guard? Uh, honor guard started, I think the year after I got there. So probably 2016, maybe early 2017. And I still do that today. Okay. Have you been back to Washington DC during police week? <laughs> so this May was, or this past May, 
couple months ago was supposed to be my rotation of going. And when COVID happened, everything got canceled. It's a sour subject right now. Oh, yeah. Well, you see, um, now I rode with Scott, a lot of Scottsdale PB guys on the Police Unity Tour, the bike ride. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe you've heard of that. You know, and that's how I got to know Ben and Chris Beckus and a couple other guys. And oh, yeah. uh, that's how I got to know them. So I know they had the, I think some of them were part of the honor guard when they went back there. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, one of the things uh, that fascinated me when went to Washington, D.C., there's thousands of cops there from everywhere. And they always had the mounted units there. And uh, oh, yeah. some of the, it, it was interesting to see. Now, you take some of the uh, departments, they'd come all the way from Wyoming with their horses or somewhere out there, but they had wow. these Mustangs or whatever they were. Now they weren't mm-hmm. that impressive looking, you know. They were smaller, but they were mm-hmm. they were they were well trained. Then the back east, it seems like those departments. You sent me a picture of your horse or one of the horses. Did, yeah. yeah, that that's the kind of horses they had back east. It wasn't. It was bigger than a quarter horse, I think, but not a draft horse. But it was just a. They had some big hulky horses, and in talking to them, it was just the fact that. Those big old lumbering horses seem to be a little more calmer. I mean, I don't know anything about that, but um, yeah, it was just fascinating to always look at the horse units there. They, I mean, there are several hundred of them from different departments, you know, would show up at, that week. So if you get a chance to go next year, I sure hope you do because you'll enjoy it. Easy as, as the honor guard, you know, you'll be you'll be able to see all that. So now you got into the mounted unit. Let's talk about that. Did you have any experience okay. riding? Do you have an experience riding horses when you applied? No. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the typical trail ride that my parents would take me on uh, just for fun. Uh, really? You know, like on a family vacation. That is it. And really? I was terrified when I first jumped on a horse uh, in my adult years because I really did not know what to expect. Um, but they paired me up with a horse that was has been there for quite a long time, but he's an excellent horse to train on because he's very, he, he works with you. And it was just weeks after weeks after weeks, uh, you know, two, three times a week of going back to the unit, sometimes in my own time, just wanting to learn and get the basics down. And as soon as I, you know, would pass one step, we would try something else. So, you know, walking in, you know, a simple maneuver of just turning the horse around it's more complicated than one might think because imagine sitting on a bike if you want to go right well you you turn the handle to the right and then guess what you go right but when you're sitting on a horse that you're on a live animal it has its own brain sometimes it tells you no and that's not what you expect so as an officer you know i want to go right and if i signal for my horse to go right he may not want to at that moment so you kind of have to force them to do that so it was just learning curves and you know you advance from walking to trotting to cantering and it was just a whole new different element to learn and i loved it because it was something new and exciting for me in my career but i was still a cop doing it and at the end of the day i'm still going to put on the uniform and i'm and i'm going to sit on the horse wow that's amazing you know I just had it in my head. I, well, I told you I had a horse for a couple of years, knew nothing. I mean, I bought the horse, I bought it from a cowboy. And 
he got on it and that horse did everything he told him to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I got on him, it's a different story. Those horses can figure you out in a New York second. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So yeah. I, under, I understand completely what you're saying about, I mean, this is a 1,200-pound animal and uh, the potential yeah. there for getting squished is, you know, can be pretty high at times. So I'm surprised yeah. that they didn't, uh, they must have had a wonderful training program for you I'm, I'm thinking somebody that got into the horse uh the mounted unit would have you know horse background experience or something well that's great wow so anyway, yeah how and many... you know usually sorry go ahead no go ahead go ahead sean uh, so the training wasn't actually done by any outside party so once the officers have become certified with the unit they more or less become a trainer so like right now i've been part of the unit for a little over two years and we have officers who come by and now I'm the one giving them the pointers and teaching them how to ride the horse. And so it's just as soon as you learn that knowledge, you you pass it on to others. And that's how it was done for me. I had phenomenal trainers um, who are no longer part of the unit. They transferred out uh, to a separate section, uh, but they taught me everything that I know. Uh, we still have a an outside instructor who will come by and visit with us and teach us the proper ways. And she does a phenomenal job of teaching us. Um, and you know, she's the boss and terrified every time that we have to have a training with her because my legs are jello by the end of the day. Cause she works us so hard. Uh, is she a civilian? <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. So how many horses do you have now in your unit? Right now we have six, six horses, six horses. Okay. So do you have six uh, officers? Is that the way that works? One for each horse? Uh, no, right now we have four officers. The unit's been pretty much capped at four. We have three officers and one sergeant. Uh, we use the six horses kind of on a rotational basis. Sometimes, uh, you know, a horse might have an injury. So, you know, they're out for a shift. So then we have a backup horse. Um, okay. So having six horses with four riders is actually a good combo in case, you know, something, you know, there's a slew of things that can go wrong um, between days of horses. Um, oh, so we just have backups yeah. in case we need it. Now, do you have a favorite horse? I mean, or do or do you, some days you think, oh, no, I'm stuck with dynamite. <laughs> no, of course there. I have I've a favorite to, horse. i got to ride dynamite <laughs> today, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we all are paired up with our horse. Like you, you train with this specific horse. That horse is compatible with you. You're compatible with the horse. Uh, the picture that I sent to you, that is uh, Aiden. Sir Aiden is his name. And he's a percher on thoroughbred cross. And so he's a massive horse. Um, and if you know anything about, yeah, if you know anything about horse uh, height or hands, he's 18.1 hands. Wow. And that's a, that's a pretty big boy. Wow. Now, my wife's horse was 16 hands. And that mm -hmm. was considered a pretty tall horse. Yeah. 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 Well, see, now, the horse you have there, that reminds me of the ones that they had, like, back east there it's kind of a larger type animal but yeah. um, boy he's a beautiful mm -hmm. horse so now he's a very good horses, looking horse yeah yeah he's beautiful do you uh who trains the horse do you get the horses with already a lot of training in them surely you don't take them from no it's, no so uh, a lot of the horses what actually people don't know is some of these are um horses that we found looking on craigslist um, somebody who, you know, a family referral, it's when, when we retire a horse, 
for any number of reasons, and we're starting to look for a new horse, it, it's a it's an open field of where we're going to get our our horse from, and how it works with we have a contract that we have with the owner, and we'll be on uh, let's say like a uh, either a three month or a six month trial basis. So during that three and six month, that's the most important time for our unit to put these horses through sensory training to make sure that they're capable of doing the, the job that we re- require for a police horse. And if it works out, uh, we keep the horse. And if it doesn't work out, then as long as we're within that three to six month time frame, uh, per the contract, we can return the horse to the owner. Okay. Are these usually donated or do you have to buy them? How does that work? Um, I think we've had a couple donated in the past, but I could be wrong. Uh, as of most recently, we have been purchasing them um, from uh, you know a, a quality seller. I sure. think the one that we just purchased came from. We we have a previous horse that he this this feller actually raised, um, and so he put him through the basic necessities of what we what a horse would require. So you know he. He, he ground mounts, he, he knows how to canter, he knows how to trot, he's, he's healthy, he's sound looking. Um, and so he was a reliable seller, so we just purchased another horse from him, actually. Sure, probably saved in the long run, big time, yeah. Well, yeah. so now someone calls you up and says, I got this horse or whatever. Now you said you have maybe your more experienced person go out and evaluate this horse, you know? Is that the so, way that works? Um, if it's, yeah. If, if we're looking as a unit to go get a horse, we'll actually make a field trip of, our, of one of our working days to go out there and go visit it. Okay. Um, and we'll actually take uh, one of our vets that we have and they'll just do, they know what exactly to look for. Um, I mean, we're at the end of the day, we're, we're officers. We ride horses. We're not experts by any means. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I won't, I won't embellish on that. We're experts by any means, um, but we'll go out there. We'll make sure that, you know, the living conditions of the horse were, were, were great. Because you can kind of just tell just on, you know, the horse's environment, how well it's being taken care of. Um, but then you have the vet who will do all the checks, make sure that the horse is sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll make a we'll make a determination and we'll move on from there. Well, I'm amazed at because I had a horse and we did mostly trail riding. So mm-hmm. you get out around a bunch of noises. I mean, uh a plastic bag could fly by and hang on Louie, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. So I'm amazed at how these horses remain calm with, with noises and crowds. And I've seen them on TV with these, some of these, uh, uh, crowd control things and people yelling, screaming and fighting. Then horse is just kind of sitting there and looking around and I'm thinking, boy, that's, that's, Uh that, that takes a lot of exposure. I'm assuming. It does. And it's hours and hours of training. Um, you know, part of our shifts, we, as far as our mounted unit for Scottsdale, we deploy on Fridays and Saturdays to our entertainment district. So if you can imagine a tiny portion of the Las Vegas strip where it's just loud, there's just flashing lights, there's strobing lights, there's people just, you, you could only imagine. Take that to Old Town Scottsdale. And that's what we kind of have a, a little mini Vegas corner and our horses are in the middle of that well before we can even introduce our horses to that environment they've already gone through probably hundreds of hours of being exposed to that type of environment and we take it a a very slow progression so you know we'll do a a daytime training ride the next day we'll do 
uh, a day to nighttime ride. And then the next day will be a nighttime ride. And every single day we, we increase it just a little bit more and the music gets a little bit louder and we introduce different stimulus until the horse has no reaction and he, he trusts the rider and it just works as, as a team. Yeah. I'm thinking even of like fireworks. Um, so fireworks, some of our horses could care less for fireworks. Uh, unfortunately for, for Sir Aiden, my horse, he, fireworks is his number one enemy. And so if it's an event with it, with there are, when there are fireworks, uh, I actually don't deploy with him. I use a different horse. Mm. Um, it's just fireworks. He's never been able to recover from it. And he, he had a, uh, you know, an incident a couple of years ago and we just, he, he has done a good job of telling us that he absolutely hates them. So we don't even bother. <laughs> we don't even bother taking him out for anything fireworks related. Well, now Keegan, I've saw John Wayne shoot off the back of his horse. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what would happen now? What would happen? You'd probably dismount before you open fire. I'm assuming. I don't know if you had a. Well, situation. you know, it's <laughs> totally situational dependent, but we're. We'll, we'll be good for at least one shot if, if that had to come down to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we, we carry sim guns uh, when we're, when we have to shoot off of the horse and the horse is so smart because uh, I, I'm a righty. So holsters on my right hand side. So in order for where my posture's at from where I'm sitting, if I have to take my gun out of my holster, I kind of have to shift my whole body and lean a little bit to the left. Mm. just because of how how the holster sits on on my hip and when i when i shift my weight uh the horse actually feels and he knows what's coming because he's he's done this many many times and so as soon as i shift my weight and more weight goes into my left stirrup and my body goes that way he he, i can see his ears they turn back around and it's essentially as if he's looking at me i mean he's hearing exactly what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of the you know, the metal scraping against the plastic holster and Mm -hmm. as it comes up, he can hear the sliding motion and the horse, you know, he already gets prancy with his feet. So they're, they're so intellectual. They know something is happening sometimes before it even happens. Um, but with these sim rounds, you know, not as loud as a regular firearm, we, we shoot the sim guns off of them. At first they have, you know, a little startled reaction, but you bring them right back and you collect them back up again and they are, they are calm. You do it one more time you pet the horse, you, you reassure them, Hey, everything is fine. I'm not doing anything to hurt you. Yeah. It was a loud noise. It was scary for you, but Hey, I'm your rider. You can trust me. And that's the bond that you build with these horses. And it's just amazing. Oh man. Yeah. Now, have you ever had, um, well, tell me about a situation you maybe you've had that was kind of tense when you were on horse patrol. Ah, a tense situation on horse patrol. So I think our, I think the tensest one that I would say we would have is our, our recent riot that we had in Scottsdale. Oh boy. And yeah. So it was out of the blue for the horses because, you know, we had to put on additional protective equipment for them. We had to put on uh, eye protection for them. So it's just this big shield that goes over their, over their face. And, you know, it's, it's looped to it's hooked and looped to their, their bridle. And so it's just already an uncomfortable piece on top of the, you know, the pounds of equipment that they have to wear. Um, then you have the riot scene unfold. You have hundreds of people that they're looking at. 
Uh, you have grenadiers that are just in front of the horse and they're shooting off rounds. Um, and it's, you have helicopters flying above us. And, you know, it almost seems like it's a war zone type thing. And the horse is just standing there. It's like, what did you put me into? How could you do this to me? They take personal offense to it. Mm. Um, but the, at, you know, you, the horse knows you, you know, the horse. And it's like I said, it's this whole bonding relationship. And they know that we're not going to put them into something that we don't think that they can handle. So uh, the countless hours that we use with them, it just works out for us. Well, no, I, like I say, I know nothing other than I survived owning a horse for a couple of years, <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to me now you guys, uh, when our horses were together, they had a little more, calmness than if they're by themselves it's like they were reassuring each other now do you ride in pairs or how do you do that yes uh so every time we deploy uh, we're never taking one horse out there's always at least two oh, I see. um you know sometimes it's four sometimes we take all six out uh and we're able to take more horses out than the officers have because we actually have a reserve program so we put officers through a training session we certify them to ride a horse and they become a reserve officer. So in an event where, you know, I might be on vacation or I might be sick, we can call somebody else and they could use, uh, they could take another horse and they could use them. I see. I see. Yeah. Well, it just seemed to me that when horses that knew each other, especially were around each other, they're a little more calm and, you know, safety in numbers type of thing or something. But I can't imagine. Uh, now, I've seen things on TV. Um, uh, for instance, some of these rides they've used the horses, and it was just amazing to me how a guy just weighed the horse mounted patrolman just weighed into a crowd and grabbed some fool by the nap of the neck and just kind of ride off with him, uh -huh. you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> take, take him out of the crowd, you know. I mean, I thought, man, that is so effective. And people are getting out of the way, they don't want to get kicked and or, or something, you know. So, I'm always amazed at how much control you guys have over those horses in those just chaotic situations. My goodness. Wow. So my hat's off to you. Yeah. I know that takes a lot oh, of work. <laughs> that takes a lot of patience and work and uh, progress is probably micro. You know, it's not like just one day I got it all. I mean, it's, I can see how that just from having a horse myself. And then um, actually, I'll tell you really quickly, I did ride a horse on patrol one time. Uh, we had oh, a large, yeah? yeah, yeah, we had a large park, uh, great big park, you know, miles around. And there was a groups that would go in there and they take over the verandas, chase the families out and they're drinking. They got boom boxes and all that. And I worked for a sheriff's department. We didn't have really a lot of deputies to go in there and scare anybody with numbers, you know. So uh, mm -hmm. we had a we had a posse unit. And they rode in parades and things. They had some very well-trained horses. Well, they paired a posse member who knew what he was doing with horses up with a deputy that didn't know what he was doing with horses, and that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and so the horse that they gave me was, I think it was a mare, probably 15 years old, just knew, I was just such a gentle old thing. But, you know, um, you send a couple officers on foot or something into these crowds and man, they're in trouble. But we rode in there 
And this posse guy, he could get his horse to be trotting sideways. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know what the, what's the term for that. I don't know. Um, but it wasn't trotting straight ahead. It was trotting <laughs> yeah. sideways. And uh, the crowd dispersed. <laughs> quickly. Yeah. I mean, the horse was the horse unit, just the presence of them. And you're higher up and you can see more. And I thought, man, this is kind of cool. I never had the opportunity. I ended up in the canine unit, which was fun. But I always thought that would be uh, a really a great assignment to have if you knew what you were doing. So, boy, I'll tell you, yes. I, I, my hat's off to you guys for the, and I'm assuming uh, you have to stay with it, too. You know, I'm, I'm assuming it's really. So, OK, let me ask you this. What would a typical day look like in Keegan's life on patrol? So on uh, on a patrol day, yeah, we typically so that will be a Friday, Saturday. You know, our ship will start at five thirty p.m. We'll go in and we'll we'll check the horses, make sure everything is good from when our wranglers last left them around noon. We give them their dinner, um, and they're happy as a clam. Typically, we start to get all of our, we make sure that the trailer's prepped so that there's food inside the trailer. We make sure that there's water inside the trailer um, because where we're, where our stables are at is pretty far from where we actually deploy. So we, we trailer the horses every Friday and Saturday and we drive them down to essentially Scottsdale Camelback Road all the way up from Westworld, which is, you know, Loop 101 in Frankwood right area. Is that where you um, keep the horses, Westworld? Yeah, yeah, we have our own little, stable office over there okay um so we were technically not even getting downtown until maybe nine ten o'clock at night because that's when the crowds start to form up uh so between five thirty and 9 is getting everything ready uh or just relaxing before you know we actually get down there maybe we'll get dinner as a, as a squad but we'll fast forward to getting down to um the downtown area Trailer then, uh, we'll, we'll do our shift and, you know, we're walking in between alleyways. We're enforcing which other, whatever crimes that we come upon. Um, we're responding to assist patrol, responding to assist the bike unit. Um, and we're actually, you, you mentioned earlier about having the, the height advantage. And that's absolutely true because when we're, we're, when we're standing at a corner and I'm sitting on my horse, I can see from all the way down on one corner of the street to the very end of it. And I can see everything that's going on. Uh, there's been countless times where I could see maybe 100, 150 yards in front of me that a fight was starting to happen. And, you know, nobody had no idea what was happening, but I could see over the crowd. And with hundreds and hundreds of people there, it is just, it, you know, it, it's mayhem with, with what we can do. But so depending on what you get into, get, get yourself into for that night, um, we're always moving around in pairs. At the end of the day, um, if there's any arrests, you know, we call a transport unit and they, they take them away and we, we process them later at, at, at our jail facility. Uh, but we trailer the horses back up. We drive them back to Westworld. We, we give them a treat, say good job and, you know, clean them off. And that's the end of their shift. So wow. it's not too long every Friday, Saturday that they have to be exposed to it. We're talking, you know, maybe at most 10 hours between Friday and Saturday of the horses actually being in that type of environment. Uh, other than that, you know, our typical day is Wednesdays and Thursdays is more of an admin and training days. That Those are the two days that we dedicate 
to this is how we have to fix things. This is how we, we have to, you know, we have to do our paperwork. But that's the typical day or that's the typical week that we have right there. Well, well you know, that is uh, quite a PR uh, unit as well. I mean, who doesn't mm-hmm. like horses? Who doesn't like horses? And exactly. I've seen people that would, uh, they wouldn't approach a police officer standing there or in his car or anything, but put on a horse and, oh, what's his name? Can I pet your horse? And, you know, I mean. Just, exactly, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really a, a. We get that every night. Yeah. And it's probably a very good deterrent, I'm assuming, too. I mean, you just roll in there with that horse and things. <laughs> if nothing else, people get in a better mood. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Like like when I mentioned that there are crowds, you know, we've tried to have officers, you know, get from one scene to the next scene and they'd either be on foot or they'd be in a car and they can't get anywhere because there's just that many people. Mm. Well, you know, we take the horses and the horses, they're designed for crowd control and they the crowd just moves out of the way. And it is just amazing to see. But yeah. 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 Who wants to get stepped on by What's your horse's name, sir? What? Aiden. How do you spell that? A-I-D-E-N. A-I-D-E-N? Yeah. Sir. Call him sir. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, listen, uh, you know what, Keegan? It's been so great to have you on the podcast and hear a little bit about the mounted unit and that. Well, let me ask you, what is your... What is your vision here for the future? Do, uh, have you found a home there, or are you looking to be going up the ladder in rank, or what's what's the future hold for you right now? No, one day it's going to be going up the, uh, the ladder in rank. Right now mm-hmm. I only have eight years on in a 25-year career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have lots of more room to, to go out and venture and, and do other things, but Mountain it won't be there forever. Uh, for me in, in my career, um, I know the mounted unit here will be here, um, but I have bigger goals. You know, I'd like to see myself more in a supervisory capacity at, uh, one day. Sure. And you have, uh, you know, it's very valuable that you have your bachelor's degree in criminal justice. That's that's uh, almost uh, nowadays, that's almost a minimum for advancement, you know, past right. sergeant anyway. Yeah. So that's a good thing. It sounds like you got a good plan, a good future. In the meanwhile, you're having fun while things are going on. Well, absolutely. Tegan, it's been just a pleasure to have you on the podcast and hopefully I'll get down there to Scottsdale, uh, see those horses out there. And maybe I can call you up, maybe give me a tour of your Westworld facility there. That horse that you sent me a picture of, man, what a beauty, man. It's a beautiful horse. But anyway, Keegan, anything else I can do for you? Anything you'd like to add to our podcast today? No, thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Okay, well, if you'd hang on the line there, we're going to wrap it up and thank our audience for being part of the Boys in Blue podcast, and we'll talk to you another day. Thank you for listening to the Boys in Blue podcast. Again, I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. Boys in Blue comes out every other week. Subscribe to the Boys in Blue wherever you get your podcast. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and let us know what you think.